All right. Well, good morning again, everyone. I've got the joy. I've got the joy. Just making sure. Did y'all want to sing that again? That was good. I like that part. Well, it's good to see all the children of God in the house this morning. You look wonderful. Anybody feeling wonderful this morning? Good. We've entered the Christmas season. What a great opportunity and season that we have to actually share the good news of Jesus. And we're so glad that you're in, like we said, December 23rd is our Christmas Eve Eve. And so what we've done is we've kind of, we've saw Christmas Eve, but we know people got stuff on Christmas Eve. So we kind of cheated and do it on the 23rd. And it's an awesome time. I encourage you, bring somebody to that. It'll be a good time uh, together celebrating King Jesus. Well, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn. I want you to go to John chapter one and we're going to build ourselves there. But again, you know, over the course of this time, I just, I can't get away from this and we're going to just keep going on as the Lord leads and directs us. And uh, I want to just encourage you again, some of the things that the Lord has been talking to us, and we've been asking this question to the Lord, I should more so say, and asking him to reveal a few things in us. And this is the question we've been asking the Lord is, Lord, what are you desiring to build in us so that you can work through us? Now, I believe this with all my heart, that church, what is the point and purpose of church? I kind of see it like a locker room. Anybody ever been in a locker room before? And anybody, you know, a sports team or something like that. And what happens is we all come gathered in. All the squad, the team comes gathered in. We find out, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to be? What's, what are we like? What is the, what, it, what am I all about? So that when I go out there into the mission field, I'm ready to take what I just got in the locker room. So I'm thankful that the, the good thing is, is this locker room smells really good this morning compared to some that I may have been in. But this is the thing that I believe the Lord is wanting to instill in us as a church family is these three wings. Just to know this. Number one is the culture of heaven. And what is the culture of heaven? It is love. It is absolute, pure love. No strings attached type of a love. Secondly, it's the lifestyle of heaven, which is learning and experiencing the grace of God by faith. So everything God has done for us has been done by grace, but it's received how? Through faith. How did you get born again? How did you, you know, became, you know, you got out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. It came, you heard the gospel, and so the grace of God came to you, and you responded saying, I believe in what Jesus has done. And instantly, eternal life was deposited into your inner man. Right? And then thirdly now also is to understand the flow of heaven. Now, learning to be led by the Spirit of God. Did you know that that's how, as children of God, that's how you and I are supposed to, our lives are supposed to be directed and led by, is what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. Anybody thankful for that? That I don't have to allow the world, I don't have to allow government, I don't have to allow the education system, entertainment system, direct my life on how it's going to be. They can make all the rules that they want, But my God will supply all my needs. You and I are led by a completely different man, and it's King Jesus on the inside through his spirit. Now, I'm convinced of this. In order to experience and to flow with heaven, we have to understand the culture of heaven. Because again, I remember reading this in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about the love of God. Hello. And it says this, you know, Paul said this, I could talk about all the angels of men and of angels, and I can say all these amazing things. I could have all the wisdom and knowledge of all of God, heaven, and I could use my faith and I can move mountains. But if I have not love, I am nothing. So what good is it? How many people, we pray in tongues. We got a, we're a tongue-talking church around here. So we pray in tongues. But if you mean in English, it means nothing. 
So we've got to learn how this culture operates. And the good news about what God has done for us is that he's actually given us everything required to carry out this law of love. And so we're taking time to get into that. But before we can really get into that first, you and I, we have to see it demonstrated and given to us by our Father first. Jesus is so wonderful. He doesn't tell you to do something without first you and I seeing it and experiencing it for ourselves. Right? That's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says we're supposed to imitate God like dear children. And what does God do? It says in the Message Bible, mostly what God does is love you. So you and I, first we're supposed to experience, because when you experience it, you're able to give something. Religion is you're just trying to give something that you don't have, and it becomes very frustrating, till eventually you're like shaking up like a, a Coke can, you've been shaking so much, and all of a sudden you open it up and pow! Man, that's just, what happened? That's a religious mindset, and so we're going to get into a little bit of that this, this morning. So in John chapter 1, <clears throat> now again, we have to live effectively according to the covenant that we are a part of. I believe that the covenant that God has placed and given us reveals the culture of heaven. We okay? What is covenant? God, and this is so key for you and I to understand, God is a covenant-making, covenant-functioning God. So a lot of times we're moving, trying to move God with our need, and what moves God is his covenant, what grace has already been provided. God's already moved, so what it, now what comes is a renewing of mind to really understand what God has already done on your and my behalf. I don't know about you, but I'm done with the Christianity. Oh God, I need, oh God, can you, oh God, please, 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 please. And we're just hoping that one of these prayers, brrr, we're just shooting, blasting heaven with these prayers. God, I need something. But what God is telling, trying to get you and I as his kids going, you need to understand, son, daughter, what I've already done. And this is all wrapped up in this new covenant. So again, it's crucial that we understand, even Alicia mentioned that in her testimony, just the difference between law and grace. It is a huge deal. I bet you nine times out of ten, you talk to anybody on these roads or on the streets or in the grocery store, you say, where do you, if you were to die today, where do you think you'd go? Oh, I'd go to heaven. Okay, why would heaven let you in? I'm a good person. Now we know good works mean nothing, right? I mean, there's good works after you get born again, but in order to get to heaven, it's not based on any of that. Why do you deserve a good life? Well, I, you know, I, I did my prayers, I did good things. It's a wrong covenant mindset, and that's where people are getting frustrated. That's where people are getting stuck, and we're trying to relate to this covenant-making God in an old system, and it's frustrating. We're not seeing anything happen. So in John 1.17, really what we celebrate at Christmas time, I mean, we celebrate Christmas, we ought to know what it's all about, right? All right, yes, okay. So I want you to look at this. For the law, say it with me, the law. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So again, when you look at this, the law was given. To me, it feels very impersonal. Something was just kind of given, right? The law is cold. It's harsh. You cannot have a relationship with tablets of stone, right? But grace, oh, grace. Anybody ever heard of a Sherpie before? Jamie and I have had one. Yeah, a Sherpie. It's basically, it's an oversized hoodie that came from a sheep that you throw on, and it feels like... I don't even know how to explain it. You just put it on, you go, oh man, that's delicious. It's, it's so warm and it's, I'm so thankful for that sheet that just gave me that just big hug. Well, the grace of God, grace is warm. It's gentle. There's this ah to it. It's like putting on a Sherpie. 
Whereas before you've got the law, which is like throwing on a piece of cardboard and trying to get cozy with it. Don't work. So this now, and now notice this, grace is not just a doctrine or teaching. Grace is a man. And his name is Jesus. So you and I are supposed to have a personal relationship with a man named Jesus. Correct? Okay. So now, I want to just again take some time to focus on this. I'm, I'm not going to go fast on this because this is something that comes up regularly in my everyday talk with people. And so I want to make sure we got a good foundation because anytime you want to build a large house, what do you need? You need a solid foundation. And so much of the time in Christianity, we are looking for the dessert menu. We want this. We want this pizzazz. And all of that is wonderful and fine. But listen, it's not so Christian life is not how high you can jump. It's how straight you walk when you land. And so what you and I, what we're called here as a church family is to have solid feet. Because I tell you this, in these last days, this world needs a strong church that's rooted and founded on the word of God and what he says. That we understand this new covenant, that we can bring people in to a proper relationship. Not with tablets of stone, not with certain regulations, but with a man, Jesus Christ. He's the one that does the fixing. He's the one that does all the changing. That's not our job. Amen. Okay, so now let's look at this. The law. What is the focus of the law? Me. Say with me, me. It is an if you system. It is based on what you do, and it's based on your performance. How did you do this past week? What was your prayer like? What is your church attendance like? What is your tithing like? What is da-da-da-da-da-da-da? You list all those things on. It's an if you system, then God can system. That's how it was operated. And again, I'm not going to get into all to the detail, but it's crucial because God was working with mankind that was fallen. They were not born again men and women. They had a nature like the devil, the nature of darkness. So God had to work with them from an outside perspective, right? Okay. Now the purpose of the law, I want you to recognize three things. The purpose of why God gave the law that you see in Exodus chapter 20. Number one is this, is so that the law, you could actually see the holy character of God. Say that with me. The law was given to reveal the holy character of God. Leviticus chapter 19 and 20, it says, be holy just as I am holy. Now in God revealing his holy character, it shows you and I our um, sinfulness. Okay? So Look at this in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The law simply shows how sinful we are. Y'all have to really get this in. The law. What is the law? Do we know what the law is? Somebody help me out up here. The law is the Ten Commandments. Hey, you got it. And then what happened over time? It ended up being 613. So those laws, what did they do? What was the purpose of these laws? To show you how sinful you are. Don't you feel good about that? That's what it did. The law was simply going in. I just use this illustration, but if you're ever going on, like, went on a first date or something like that, I took my wife to, what's that place? Red Robin's. Clucks and fries, all you can eat fries. You are welcome. 
And then all of a sudden we had this great day. We're talking and all of a sudden I got some plum sauce on my cheek. I didn't realize it, but I go to the bathroom and I stand in and I look at the mirror and the mirror revealed to me what my face looked like eating those nonstop fries. Now I could get absolutely livid with this mirror and go, you stupid mirror, what's wrong with you? Make me look better. And I hear there's probably a thin mirror in the woman's bathroom. That's what I want. I want you to present me the way that I think that I should be looking like. But no, I can't get mad at the mirror. The mirror simply reveals to me how nasty I am at eating clucks and fries, right? Well, the law is the same way. It simply shows you how wrong and how sinful you are. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Next is, look at this, Galatians 3, 19. Again, we're laying a foundation. I encourage you to get these scriptures down because this comes up regularly in conversation with people. Why then was the law given? Are you ready? Why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise And the promise was talking about Abraham and his seed. Jesus was going to come eventually down that line. Alongside the promise to show people their sins. Here's the Ten Commandments. What's its purpose? To show you how sinful you are. So what's the purpose of the law? Come on, y'all. We're going to stay this. I'll find more scriptures on this. What's the purpose of the law? To show me how sinful I am. That's the whole purpose of it. Now, second part of this also now is to reveal to humanity that no one can keep it. Imagine 613 laws. Some of you probably broke four when you got here. Nobody can do it. Moses couldn't do it. Joshua couldn't do it. King David couldn't do it. So look at this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, all have sinned. And what else? We fall short of God's glorious standard. So again, what is the law doing? It's revealing that nobody can do what the law's requirements are. It's impossible. Well, I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't lie, I didn't steal. But you may have been a jerk to the waitress down the road. It's just as sinful as the other. <gasps> really? Yeah, because we got tears of sin that we think. Sin is sin. So if I didn't commit one part of the law, why I failed in other things, the Bible says you failed the whole law, right? Okay, lastly, don't worry, it gets worse from here. The law points us now to Jesus to trust him, to rely and completely depend on him and what he finished on the cross for us to get me out of this slavehood that I was trapped in. The law, it's pointing to somebody, so the law reveals, first of all, to me that I can't do it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I got nothing. I got plum sauce all over my face, and I got no napkins to clean this mess up. There's nothing I can do. So what does it do? The law also now is showing, it's pointing me to say, there's one coming. There is someone coming who is going to fulfill it for you, to clean you all up on the inside, and watch me do my work. Look at this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Let me put it this way, another way that Paul says. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And look at this in Romans chapter 10, verse 4. It says, for Christ. Say with me, for Christ. Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him, and its purpose is fulfilled in him. For granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as their savior. 
So the point in all of this, every human being is looking for righteousness, a right standing with Almighty God. And before in the law, in the Old Testament, even if you were just to talk to regular people on the streets and they would say, well, I'm a good person, they're all looking for this thing going, I've done right things before. Tell me, I've done something right with, tell me that I've done something good with my life so that when I leave this life and I go to the next one, that I got some merit to stand on to say, I did good, I belong access here. It means nothing. Church, we got to get this. Because why is this? We know that for salvation, but you're trying to do it in every other area of your life. I deserve my healing because I did. You have to get that sentence out of your life. It's not as anything to do with you. The law is you, you, you. It really becomes to a selfish Christianity. I've done this. I've done good deeds. Watch, I'm even going to feel myself doing good deeds so I get more likes on Instagram. And the more likes that I get, going, hmm, yeah, feels pretty good about myself. It's all just a vicious cycle looking, try to impress God. Did you know that God is not impressed with resumes? Not to say that he's not impressed with you and I. He's thrilled. But handing him a resume and saying, Lord, this is what I've done. Like, it's, it's four pages. It's pretty sweet. You should take a look at it. Take a read and let me know what you think. Oh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to hire this guy. That's not how he operates. So we have to learn to adjust our thinking, get out of this mindset, out of this cycle, because it's absolutely robbing you from a relationship with Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. It's not a relationship with the church. It's a relationship with Jesus. I don't give why this is the church that I go to. I have to. I give to him. And the representation on this earth is this local church. So, Lord, this is where I'm going. It's no longer of I have to. It's I get to do this. And until you get to that place, man, it's just going to be very annoying to you. Are, are we okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you this is what I found in my own life. It gets dull. It gets boring. Why? Because it becomes my own thing. Now, <clears throat> So if the focus of my Christian life is about me, I'm in the wrong covenant. And that covenant, as we see in the word of God, is out of date. It's obsolete. It doesn't work anymore. So you're trying to talk to God and he's got to, he changed his phone number. (laughs) You're still dialing the Ten Commandments. One, two, three, look at me, dear Lord, help me, help me, look at this. And God's like, I'm on a grace line, man. I'm on a completely different telephone call. And y'all are still stuck on the law. I'm not even talking there anymore. And you got whole churches and organizations built on, you better do this, you better do this. You, you better love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and your strength. You can't. Christianity is not just hard, it's impossible to do. So you need somebody to do it for you. And who was he? Jesus. Jesus loved the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. He's the one that could do that. I'm probably ticking some religious people off. Well, that's the greatest command. Yeah, actually, no, the greatest command is to love one another just as he loved us. The whole New Testament changed drastically because it's no longer the old covenant is about how much you love God. In the new covenant, it's all about how much God loves you. And now since the, when I experience this love, I can't help but go, here's my life. I'll, I'll, Lord, I'll do here whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'll give it to you. I know that from my own personal life. Why am I here on this platform? Because God loved literally the hell out of Joel Housing. It's not based on what I did. It's not based on how good it was. It wasn't based because my parents were pastors. And so, well, this is just the next thing. I guess you better be a pastor. I didn't want to. It wasn't even in my thinking. But God... 
I can't, there's nobody else, even listening to Alicia, talk about all these things that have happened in her past life. Well, what happens? But God comes in and totally changed. Why do you think this girl's literally sitting here, you know, eight hours a day sometimes just to get a nice screen like that? Who does that? Oh, they must be really religious. No. They've been totally captivated by the love of God, and they can't help but say, Lord, here's my life. How do you get the Apostle Paul, a man who criticized and actually killed church people, and all of a sudden do a complete 180 and run to him? He says, because I've experienced the love of this one Jesus. Oh, man. And that's what it still is for you and I today. You've come out of this world, and we just kind of think, well, I experienced the love of God, you know, back in 1994, and that was all good, and that's great, and I just kind of walk on. No, the Bible says that the children of God are supposed to know the depth, the width, the length, the breadth of his love. It is so deep. It's so high. It's so far-reaching. Far, but the Bible even says it's beyond our human comprehension. We try to go, oh, the love of God. Yeah, I kind of have an idea. Why, man, that guy, (laughs) that guy's a real piece of work. There's no way he's getting in. You'd be surprised at the people that are actually in heaven. You'll be going, how did he get in here? How on earth? That guy was a real piece of work down there. You have no idea what happens with the love of God, how deep it really goes. Jesus came to deliver people out of hell. Why are church folk trying to put people back in? All right. So Jesus came. This changes everything. I want you to just shout that with me. This changes everything. Jesus is coming. Change the tone from heaven to earth. Now no longer this war between heaven and earth. The angels declared from the throne room, it says, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill. Goodwill. Come on, y'all shout it out. Goodwill. What is the message of heaven? Goodwill to all men. Peace. The Bible even says in Romans 5, grace, grace be unto you. That's how this earth is being looked at by heaven. So we've got to get heaven's perspective. We've got to see the culture of how heaven operates so that you and I cannot just, you know, oh, that's so lovely and all nice, that we actually become participators of this exact culture that God has actually established in us. Just like your own family. we got a culture in our family. And I'm sure if we went to your family, it's got a different culture. But when it comes to the family of God, it's not like some parts can walk in love, some don't have to. Other places, because of where they live, yeah, it's a little bit easier to love people. But in other places, I tell you, there are some monsters that live over there We don't have to walk in love. It's the same across the board. Love is how the family of heaven operates by. I remember hearing this testimony of a gentleman who went to heaven. And uh, he went up there and the Lord, the only question the Lord asked him, he was all excited. He's going to get some deep revelation and all this. I'm so excited for this. And Jesus turned to him and looked at him and said, have you learned how to love yet? And he was kind of shocked by that. Uh, 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 And he was back in his body. Going, Lord, that was the question. And he became on this this journey of discovering what the love of God was and that that's how this ought to feel. The love that's in there on earth as it is up there. What is it up there? Why does heaven make heaven? It's love. So we've got to understand this culture so we can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So we can operate in what faith, what that's required of us. So we can learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. You can't separate these things that I'd be led by the Spirit of God. My love walk is completely out the window. But Lord, I'm asking you, I want to be led. I want to be led. Open me up, Lord. I want to be led on the inside. It's all on the same channel. 
You can't separate these things. It's love. And when you understand love, when you unpackage grace, you fall more in love with Jesus. And then you simply learn to trust him more. And out of this, I start going, okay, Lord, I'm learning to be led by your spirit. Why? Because you're on love's phone call. Some of you think, man, it's so hard to hear from heaven. It's not unless you're on the wrong call. (laughs) It's so simple. Jesus came and simplified it. How do I know? 613 laws. And he condensed it and says, love each other. Religious folk hated him because religion likes to complicate it. Anybody ever experienced that before? Religion tries to teach you things, and in their teaching things, man, they mess up a whole lot of things, and you got 15 pages of notes that you go, I have no idea how to do this. (laughs) All right, I'm glad you're all excited about that. Now, Jesus changed everything. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read a couple verses to us this morning. God's laws, which he gave to Moses, are like a shadow of the good things that would come later, but those laws do not show exactly what those good things are like. They say that the priests must continue to offer the same sacrifices on behalf of the people year after year, so those sacrifices can never make the people completely clean when they come to worship God. If the old rules could do that, the priests would have stopped offering sacrifices. The people, would, uh, people who come to worship God would have become completely clean once and for all time. They would no longer have trouble in their minds and their sins. But as it is, those sacrifices every year cause people to remember their sins. Right? So if we had to do every December 3rd, we had to come back and gather, and we had to kill a bunch of animals up here for the sins that you did this past year. It doesn't all of a sudden cleanse your mind from them, because I know next December i got to do this all over again. Right? Okay, continue on, verse 4. It says, We know that the blood of bulls and of goats cannot remove the punishment of sin. Continue on, verse 5. Sin, so, when Christ came into the world, he said to his Father, You have not wanted people to offer sacrifices and other gifts to you. Instead, you have prepared a body for me to offer to you. Sacrifices do not make you happy. Come on, say that with me. Sacrifices do not make you happy. So what are you doing? I'm just, this is just a sacrifice unto the Lord. And I get there's a sacrifice of praise that we bring, but you're trying to earn something from God through a sacrifice. It won't work. Why? Because it never was in his heart to begin with. It's not what God wanted all along. Is there some light bulbs going off in the room this morning? Okay, so if people burn whole animals as a sacrifice, or if they offer a sacrifice to make them clean from their sins, that does not make you happy. Jesus goes on to say, verse 7, Then I said, Here I am, my God. I have come to do what you want. That is what it says about me in the Bible. So, verse 8, So think about what Christ said there. First he said to God, You have not wanted gifts and sacrifices of animals. Any kind of sacrifice like that does not make you happy. But we know that Moses' rules taught about those sacrifices. God's law said that they were necessary. Verse 9, then Christ said, here I am. I have come to do what you want. In that way, Christ took away the first agreement. What's the first agreement? The law, the first covenant that God had. He took away the first agreement and its rules about sacrifices. Christ's sacrifice of his own body is the new way that God forgave our sins. 
Then verse 10, Jesus Christ was ready to do what God wanted. He offered his own body to God once and for all time because of Christ's sacrifice. God has made us clean. Come on, shout that. I'm clean. Come on again. I'm clean. This is a huge deal because what Jesus has done, I'm clean and I belong to him. So why am I going to heaven? Because of how good I am? Nope. Because Christ's sacrifice. I believe in his blood. I believe he died, went to hell, rose up three days later. I believe that with all my heart. And because I believe in that, I am clean and I belong to him. That's my stance. That's where I am. Do I got any believers in the house? You've accepted Jesus. What does that mean? You are clean and you've been brought to him. Praise the Lord. So now this new covenant, I got to quickly finish up here. This new covenant, what is the focus? The focus of the old covenant is me. It's all about me. That's the song for it. It's all about me, Lord. It's all about me. But in the new covenant, you have to stop making this life about you. It is not. Who and what is this new life? What's the focus of it? Jesus It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's Jesus has done. It's Jesus has given. Jesus by his sacrifice. Jesus through his blood. Jesus through his mercy. Jesus because of his kindness. Jesus because of his grace. Jesus because of his goodness. Jesus because of his stripes on his back. Jesus because of the holes in his hands. Jesus because of his scars. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because he gave me his joy. Jesus because of his peace. It's all about this man. So that's why we come gather Sunday. It's because I've made my life about this man, Jesus. Because without him, I am and I have nothing. But because of him, I have a blessed marriage. I have children with the Lord. I have children, period. There's a time, Jamie and I, we couldn't figure out why we couldn't get pregnant. But Jesus took him at his word. It's a promise. Children are an inheritance. I take it. Hey, Jesus, this is what you said. And we're in covenant with each other. So it meant, and moves out of this, okay, Lord, what, how, how do we got to do this? How do we, can you just please help us have a child to this place of, Lord, we trust you. And of course, you have to do some action in order to make that happen. But faith without works is dead. <laughs> so we faithed it and we worked it. And it, four times later, we are, we are blessed. Romans 5, 9. I want to encourage you this in your Bible. Highlight this thing, circle this thing. This is what your verse, your life needs to be centered on this verse. What's your life scripture? Make this Romans 5.19. Yes, God will talk to you about promises and things he's doing in your life, but this is it. You have to make your mindset become totally wrapped up in this verse right here. It says one man's disobedience. Who is that? Adam, his disobedience that we see in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, it opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. And so we know everybody that was born, that is born into this earth, they have a sin nature. Because of who? Because of Adam's sin. So also, one man's obedience, what did it do? Opened the door for many to be made perfectly right and have an acceptable to God. What's the focus? So right here you see you are identifying with one of these two men. 
The whole Bible is about two men. How many? Two. Well, it's about me. It's not about you at all. You're in the covenant. Thank God for that. But it's not about you. It's about two men. One is the first man, Adam, who messed it up for us all. Then it's about Jesus who did everything perfect and right for us. So who do you identify with? Jesus. So the strain is over. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Because he was made a curse for us. Now look at this in the Message Bible. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says, Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us into all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right. So if you're accepting Jesus, guess where you are right now? In the right So what is this? I mean, rights to talk about righteousness, right standing. You have this righteousness. What does righteousness mean? What does this right standing with God means? It means that I have to start thinking properly. I have to start believing properly. Correct? Okay, now let's look here. I'm going to finish off of this. But again, the focus of the new covenant is now God has clearly revealed his love towards you and I. Now, I'm going to just, um, guys, I'm going to skip this next little part and go skip down to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. So what's required of me in this new covenant? What's required of me? If I'm not following tablets of stone anymore, I'm governed by the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. What do I do now that I'm a child of God, that I have this right standing? Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Listen, sometimes, honestly, it'd be so much easier just to follow the Ten Commandments because it's like, okay, don't kill that guy. All right, I won't do that. I'd like to, but I won't because it's against the law. All right, honor your mom and dad. Okay, I can work on that. Like, but now what do I do? I'm in right standing with God. It's not like, I don't do anything now. No, this is now you've been part of this family and like how we're training our children. We got four kids and it's a full-time job to renew their thinking to start operating like our family culture. This is how we operate. We're a team. This is how we do things. Otherwise, if we do nothing, we'll just be sitting around doing nothing all day long. That doesn't work. Are we okay with that? There's four of you. Are we okay with that? So if you want to be part of this family, it's now crucial that we start learning and changing the way we think. Where's the problem? Right here. Oh, it's so-and-so. Nope, so-and-so is not your problem. Right here. Right here. Jesus didn't hang on the cross. Father, go, well, what's, what's wrong? Well, I'll, I'll look at all these stupid Pharisees and all these people that, you know, judged me and hurt me and said all these things. No, Jesus had a proper mindset of what the Father wanted all along. He's the first of many brethren. So he is our example, right? I don't know what kind of family you came from. Maybe you had a very loud, angry family. Maybe you had a very, you know, don't say anything, sweep everything under the rug and just, you know, keep quiet. Don't, don't bring anything up because this, this is how it is. Listen, we have to understand how God has called us into this family and how he operates. It's not so that, oh, I'm a good Christian now. It's because he wants you to experience the fullness of the life that Jesus gave for you. Jesus paid to have a price for you to be lukewarm. If you really knew him, there'd be no way that you'd be lukewarm. 
Honestly, he's amazing. He's wonderful. He's the life of a party. He turned water into wine. First miracle of grace. First miracle of the law. Turned water into blood. Anyways, that's for another time. It says, to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Talking about the Israelites. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter into his rest. So first we see, I want you to notice this, that God wasn't the people who disobeyed God. Did the Israelites disobey what God said? The answer is yes. Over and over it's yes. But I want you to see how he equates, and he uses this word disobey, and now over in verse 19 he says, so now we see that because of their unbelief, we are not able to enter into his rest. So can I submit to you this morning that the first place that God looks for obedience is not in your actions. The first place that God looks for obedience is in your belief system. Righteousness simply means I believe righteously. I have to believe a certain way. And Hebrews talks so much about this, but I believe it's in Hebrews 6, that talks about how do we mature, how do we go from babyhood Christianity to be from spiritual infants that are constantly needing milk, 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 milk. And there's nothing wrong with that. You sometimes need a good milk once in a while, right? you got to get encouraged on things. But he says, how do you progress from milk to the meat of the word? It's your soul has to be pierced with the revelation of a right standing with God. As long as you keep identifying with the first man. And why do people do that? Because you were born into it. It is so easy to identify with the old Adam, with the sin nature, with who we used to be. Why? Because that's how we were born. We see it around us constantly. We see all the alcohol. We see all the drug. We see all the lying, the stealing. We see all of that at large. And it's easy to go, well, I, I, I kind of still do that kind of stuff. So what's limiting you from experiencing the rest and the promises and the grace of God in your life? It's wrong thinking. God is not holding back from you because you did something bad. Did you know that? How? Because it's not based on the old covenant. God, because of what Jesus has done, Jesus now has opened. It actually says when Jesus died, it says not only did the curtain rip, but the heavens tore open. And he says, my presence will no longer dwell in boxes. It's going to be in you. God is not going to pull away when you do bad. I've not been a really good person lately. Oh, so God stopped loving you? I don't know. I just haven't really felt it lately. It's not based on feelings. It's based on the covenant. God is a covenant-making God. If God were to discipline and hurt you because you did something bad, it'd be that he had to slap Jesus and say, your sacrifice wasn't enough. So you have to get your mind renewed to, Jesus did it, Jesus did it, he did it for me. And the more that you get your mind on this, and it starts renewing to what Jesus has done on your behalf, you start to fall more and more with this, in love with this man, Jesus. The things that you used to do, you don't want to do anymore. Why? I love them. I moved from this place with my father that I don't, want to, I don't want to get in trouble with him to I don't want to hurt his heart. How, how do you get to that place? I understand grace. I change the way that I think. So wherever you may be at this morning, let me encourage you. This is the last verse I want you to see in Romans 12 too. It says, do not become like the people who belong to this world. But let God completely change the way that you think 
so that you live differently. Now, so many times people are trying to live differently apart from changing the way that they think. (laughs) Anybody ever tried that before? How did that work out? Very frustrating, right? So this is the key to this, is this is the road to transformation, is changing the way that I think. What does it have to line up with? It lines up with the gospel of grace and what he's done. Continues on to say, when you change the way that you think, then, come on, shout out with me, then. No, 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 I need everybody. Then. Then what? After I change the way that I think, then I will understand what God wants me to do. What's the biggest question in the church world at large would be, what does God want me to do? You have to read back in the beginning of Romans 12 too. He says, you got to change the way that you think. Why? Because if God revealed to you what he wants you to do, you'd go, I can't do that. There's no way. Do you know how rotten I am? Do you know I can never do that? I can't sing on a platform. I can't play an instrument. I've not been good enough. All religion keeping you away from a father whose arms are wide open, ready to welcome you in. And what's keeping you back? People blame the church. People blame the way that they do things. People blame their mother-in-law, their father-in-law, my brother, my sister. Oh, just the way that they do things. I don't like how they do things. Stop. Pull it all back and go, you have a bad mindset. Start taking ownership of your mindset. And what is it locked in? Is it locked in the old covenant or is it locked in the new covenant? Because I tell you this, if you're in the new covenant, you realize how much grace has done on your behalf. Listen, this church isn't perfect. I know that. Why? Because we're in it. But I know someone who is amazing and perfect and we do our, our best to make big and proclaim Jesus is amazing. He'll never wrong you. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He will never disappoint you. So what do I do? I have to change the way that I think. Church, this isn't an option for us. This is, I have to do this. If I don't, I'm going to be stuck in this dead work religion where people are gathered to church and how many dead things are happening on a regular basis. We just got to do this. And their hearts aren't in it. Ah, oh, whatever. I'll just, I'll bring this. Yeah, sure. Here's, here's an offering. Are you kidding me? I do it with such a glad heart. Lord, thank you for all that you've done through your son. It's not a payment to you, but Lord, I just want to let you know I trust you. Lord, I can't wait to bring my sacrifice to you. It's a totally different mindset. And what does that? Change the way you think. Well, it's only, you know, pastors are allowed to do that. No, this is for the whole body. Then, one more time, then you will understand what God wants you to do. You will know what is good. You will know what pleases God. And you will know what is completely right. <laughs> I don't know about you, but those are things that I want to know. I want to know what makes him happy. I want to know what's right. And I want to know what's completely good in the day and age that we're living in. Because when the world calls evil good and good is evil, well, hey, man, I need to know what's right. I need to know what's true and good. Well, I have to renew my mind to the gospel of his grace. Because sadly, the church world calls the world, they're just horrible. All sinners go into hell. Grace looks at it going, the harvest is ready. The law says they're all going to hell anyway. Why even try? Grace says, reach my family. How do you get that lens? You spend time with him and you can't help but look at people and go, man, that's a, God made you. And Satan's trying to put that blinder on. So more than anything, it's, I'm coming after darkness with everything I got. 
Lord, I just pray, even before I go talk to you, Lord, I pray that the eyes of their heart, Lord, just open, tear that veil down right now. And all I do, and what am I going there? Saying, hey, you're a sinner. You need to get saved. They know. What am I going in with? Jesus really loves you. And he told me to tell you personally. And hey, can I pray with you right now? I see there's something going on with your knee. Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden they go, well, what is that? That happens. That's regular. That's, get, that's, that's normal Christianity for us. When love is motivating everything that we do. Can we all stand up together? Father, you know, I want everybody just to, just, can we pray this out? Can we lift up our hands, open up our hearts to him? And I want us just to pray this from the depth of our being. The first three things that we read out this morning. Lord, we, the question that we ask is, Lord, what do you want to build in us? so that you can work through us. I want you just to say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus, in his name, in his power, in his love. I am accepted because of Jesus. I stand before you with no sin, no shame, no condemnation because of Jesus. And right now, Lord, I'm asking you to teach me the culture of your family, which is love. Lord, and through teaching me and demonstrating to me your love, I will love those that get around me. Thank you for showing me. I receive your love this morning. Come on, I believe it. I believe your love. I receive your love into my life. I am beloved. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, when the Father talks to us, it's, it's identity talk. All in First John, you see beloved. I'm beloved. Let that be your voice. I am beloved. Why? Because the Father loves me. Amen. You received something this morning? Awesome. We love you all very much. We're so thankful.